Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. It feels good to just let the Holy Spirit kind of roam around a little bit, touch our lives. You know, one of the things I like about uh, life is um, traditions. I mean, like traditions. I like traditions. I like Christmas morning. I like to know that I get to get up early while my wife stays asleep for a little bit. And that my kids have probably already gone downstairs and taken a peek, but then they come back up and act like they haven't. Then they wake us up and we get to go down and give them presents and they get to open their presents and then they get to play a little bit. And then we go to my parents' house and we have the best coffee cake you could imagine, egg casserole. My sisters come over, the cousins come over, the kids get to play, we get to relax on my dad's chair. I like traditions like that. I like the fact that we go on vacation every year. I like the fact that I can look forward to that. I like the fact that we get to go to the beach house every year. Every single year in October, we get to go to the beach house. I look forward to that tradition, that kind of, that ritual that we do as a family. I like that. I like getting into routines and and sometimes doing like rituals, not like weird rituals, but like athletes are known for superstition, right? So baseball, I can remember one year in Florida when I was playing, I ate the same three meals for lunch the whole summer, just rotated, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, because I thought it was like good for me or something. Like I, I would get good luck. I would get more hits. You would You stand in the batter's box the same way. You dig in the same amount of times. You take the same practice swings. All this stuff, wear the same undershirt. Like every single day you wear this, and there's 140 games, by the way. So you like do the same thing every time, and then sometimes when it doesn't work for a week, then you change it a little bit, then you do that for the next month. And so the superstition, there's no power in superstition. There's no power necessarily in ritual, but it gives you a comfort and a confidence and a certainty to be prepared to play. I like traditions because I know what to expect. I know the routine. I know how it goes. I like, I like to, to know that. It gives me confidence and certainty. Traditions can mean different things at different times. For example, if you have a trauma in your past and because of that trauma you now have a ritual or a tradition or a formula that you do every year at that time it might mean something more to you than just your your you know wearing the same shirt every day for a game because it was based on a trauma it was based on a memory that meant something to you or maybe it means something to you in different seasons for different reasons for example if if you've had a rough year Uh, with your family or whatever, but at Christmas, you know that you're going to be able to go and spend time and relax and unplug. Maybe that year, Christmas means more to you than the previous year when everything was going great. So because of different seasons and different reasons, traditions or rituals or formulas might mean something different to you because of what you're experiencing in that time. One of my favorite American traditions starts with a song. And I'm going to have Allie Anderberg sing it. Can you guys just stand to your feet? 
can be seated. I love that tradition. Francis Scott Key on September 14th, 1814, wrote a poem called The Defense of Fort McHenry. It eventually became the Star-Spangled Banner that eventually became our national anthem in 1931, officially signed into law by President Hoover. The national anthem I've heard maybe a thousand times or more. Every time I hear the national anthem, even though it's a tradition, even though it's a ritual, even though it's a formula that is kind of combined with professional sports, it's powerful to me. And it means more to me now than it ever has before because of the world that we're living in. Sometimes traditions mean more to you depending on the season. Or the reason, right now, I've never been more passionate about America. I've never been more passionate about the national anthem. Brings me to tears even before, even five years ago, but now even more. Because it's so powerful, and it's even more powerful when you know what it means. Rituals, traditions, formulas, they become more potent when you know what they mean. This song was written, or this poem was written at the end of the War of 1812, called the Battle of Baltimore, or the Second Battle for Independence. And British forces attacked America on the Baltimore Harbor. Some 19 ships just started firing missiles and bombs at at the harbor. And Francis Scott Key was actually held on a British ship as a strategic prisoner because he knew something about the attack. And so as he sat on this ship, he was watching what was happening. And he didn't know whether America won or whether we lost. And so he didn't know until he saw the flag. And they said the flag was so big you could see it from miles around. 
And so he woke up in the morning and he saw what happened. This is two years after it started, 1814, and he started to pin this, this, uh, this poem. It actually has four verses. We only sing the first one. But he says, so say, can you see by the dawn's early light? And that, that, that's a picture of him waking up in the morning and looking over and seeing the American flag flying in the air, giving him hope that we won the war. So proudly we hailed, we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, those broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. Back then it was 15 stars and 15 stripes. It wasn't until shortly after that, that they started, you know, putting them based on the colonies. It says, or the ramparts we watched so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air. So at night he could see the, the bombs bursting in air and he could see glimpses of the flag that he could only see because the bombs were exploding. And it says it gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. The most important line, because he didn't know if we won unless he saw the flag. That's how they knew. The flag was still waving. The flag was still uh, risen. Oh, does that star-stangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? That became the symbol, the anthem, established a brand new prominence for the flag as an expression of national identity, unity, and pride. And I don't know about you, but when we sing the national anthem, I feel unity. When I'm at a game, I feel unity, especially when I'm around a bunch of patriots like you guys at Awaken Church. I feel unity. I feel pride for our country. I feel proud to be an American. I feel proud of our soldiers and our military. I feel proud of all the people that gave their life for this country. I feel proud for the Constitution. I feel blessed that I was born here and not in some other country. I didn't choose to be born here, but I'm grateful that I was born here. And here's the truth. If we didn't sing the national anthem before a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game, they'd probably still play the game. I'd probably still enjoy watching the game. But it would almost be like there was something missing. It would almost be like the experience wasn't as full as it could have been. It wouldn't be as powerful if there wasn't that ritual or that formula or that tradition of singing the national anthem before the song. That's why it irritates me when people don't respect the song and the flag. But the experience wouldn't quite be there because of that tradition wasn't there. As a church and as a religion, Christianity and this church, we, aren't, we try not to be bound by rules, regulations, traditions, rituals, formulas. We try not to be bound by that stuff just for like tradition's sake, just because other people do it or other denominations do it because you never want to elevate it, the tradition or the ritual over the relationship with Jesus. But sometimes the, the, the ritual is powerful. Sometimes formulas work. But we just can't elevate it above. This is what it says in Mark 7, 9, and 13. It says that the Pharisees are coming to Jesus. They're like, why do your disciples, why don't they wash their hands? Why don't they drink out of like clean cups and stuff? Why don't they respect the traditions of their elders? And I love Jesus because he's just so, mm. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. So they're rejecting God because they're so bound by their tradition. 
They've made their tradition their God. Verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things that you do. So while many uh, denominations have traditions, it's the denominations that make idols out of their traditions that have no power. Because they've elevated the ritual over the relationship with Jesus came to set us free from tradition and, and, and rituals and, and formulas that we have to do or we can't be saved or steps we got to take so we can get into heaven. And he came to set us free from those things. And I'm not Catholic. I've never been Catholic. I've never been Jewish. But I know Catholics and I know Jewish. I've experienced their services. I've experienced them in person. I have friends that are Jewish, close friends, best friends growing up. And they're so steeped in tradition and religion and rituals and formulas, they, they lose the power. They lose the relationship. And when talking to them about Jesus, it's almost like they're more concerned about breaking that bond with their family and that tradition and that religion than they are of finding a Savior. I've heard my friends say, my dad would roll over in his grave if I became a Christian. They're more bound by tradition. They've elevated tradition as their God. However, there are some traditions, there are some rituals and formulas that are so powerful that if we don't experience them as Christians, it would be like there's something missing. It would be like we wouldn't get the full experience, the full power of Christianity if we just denied these formulas or traditions at times. And there's, there's a lot of them. Like, for example, an easy one, praying before you eat. It's a tradition, right? It's a ritual. It's a formula that we do. It's like you pray, then you eat. You try to find the person the hungriest to pray so they pray quick so you can eat. You pray when you're with other people so they think you're spiritual. When you're by yourself, you just eat, you know. But that's like a ritual. It's like a tradition, and it can be powerful if you know what it means. If you know that Jesus would bless his food before he would distribute it or eat it. You can point to different uh, points in the Bible where they prayed before they ate. They would bless the food. They would look up to the Father. They would, and then they would eat. So if you look at it like more than just a ritual or a tradition or just this formula that I have to do before I eat, it gets powerful. When you start to thank God, for, when you start to get uh, gratitude for the fact that you've been provided for, that you have food on the table, that God is good, that he loves you, and you thank him, and you remind yourself how good God is that you have food, and that God, that you, you, you gave me this body, I, press it, I pray that it would bless this body that would nourish the temple that you gave me. Then it gets a little bit more powerful. It gets even more powerful, Pastor Kwacha, if you're in Africa and someone gives you some food that you may have never seen before. You're not sure if it's cooked or not cooked. Then that gets powerful. That means something differently in that situation. Then you're going to pray with some power, with some passion, with some anointing. God, I pray this food nourishes my body. Bless it, Lord. Bless it, Lord. Changes a little bit. What about James 5? The Bible says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Interesting healing and salvation in the same passage of Scripture, but this is a, this is a, a, a formula. 
that's in the Bible that we see. When somebody gets sick, and you guys have probably seen or heard people anointing people with oil and then praying that they would be healed. This is where they get it from. The anointing of oil, it's a, it's a formula to get people healed that works. It's not the oil that heals people. It's the prayer of faith that heals people, but it's the formula is powerful if you follow it because James said to do it in the Bible. So if you do that, you, you, you anoint somebody with oil, it gives your faith somewhere to attach itself to, something to believe in, knowing that Holy Spirit, this is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna anoint you and I'm gonna pray the prayer of faith like the Bible says, using that formula, and you're gonna start to see results. It's powerful. If you don't have oil, it doesn't mean you can't get healed, but the formula is powerful. We're not gonna elevate the tradition or the ritual or the formula above Jesus, because what if you don't have any oil? Then what do you do? Turn over to Mark 16. Those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But this is a powerful formula that means something different if you're sick. All of a sudden you're like, where are the, where are the verses in the Bible? What's the formula? What's the, how do I get healed? Okay, there we go. Let me call someone from the church, someone with authority in the church that can bring some oil and get me healed. Psalm 100.4, another one of my favorites. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. This is a formula on how to get you into the presence of God that works. It works. If you want to get into the presence of God, start to thank God, start to praise God, start to bless his holy name, and you'll find all of a sudden you feel the presence of God. Why do you think we have anointed worship leaders before we preach to get the presence of God here because they're praising him, they're worshiping him. All you guys praising and worshiping him. You're enthroning him. He inhabits the praises of his people. It works. It works. If you don't do it, you're missing something. In Christianity, like, you can still be a Christian, but you'll miss out on this. You'll miss out on that. And when you need the presence of God in your life, when you're feeling far from him, that means something. It means something. It's a formula, but it works. It's powerful. Then we have communion. We're going to take communion in a little bit. It's a formula. It's a tradition that we do in our church that you can just write off as a ritual with no power. Or once you start to see what it means, you can realize everything can change when you take communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 25, Paul speaking, he says, For indeed, or said, he says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, there he goes, prayed for his food. He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so Jesus is sitting with his disciples. The last thing he did, he wanted to do communion. They did communion. Then the Bible says they sang a song. Then they went to the garden. So he says, do this in remembrance of me. Take this bread, my body, and take it. It has been broken for you and, and this juice or this wine as the blood. Because the penalty of sin is death. 
And so you guys know the story. In the Old Testament, they used to have to sacrifice lambs and goats in order to, to, for the shedding of blood, for the remission of sins. But John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. So he was the perfect lamb. And it was his blood that was going to be shed on, on Friday, on Good Friday, in a couple of days. Once and for all, his blood shed for the remission of sins. Both the sins that you did, you're doing, and the ones that you're going to do in your future. Then verse 27, it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks is an in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. We're going to take communion in a minute, but a lot of people overlook the bread. A lot of people overlook the bread. A lot of people don't know, really know what the juice really means. Or they know what it means, but they don't take it serious because it's just a ritual or, or a tradition. But the, the bread is powerful and the, the juice or the wine is powerful. This scripture says, that if you drink it in an unworthy manner and to examine yourself, and that doesn't mean that you have to look at your life and say, am I worthy of taking communion? Have I done all the right things? Am I perfect? Am I this? Have I done this? That's not what it means. It means if you take communion and you don't actually believe what it stands for and what it means, what's the point? You're just in tradition. You're just in ritual. You're just elevating a tradition above your relationship and above what Jesus did. And it says because of that, many people are sick. Because people take the bread and they don't realize the power of the bread. They don't realize the power of the body of Jesus and what he did for us. Did you know that before Jesus went to the cross, he went to the whipping post? Did you know that he was whipped and beaten to the point where you couldn't even recognize him. Did you know that there were bone chips and stuff in the whips that would pull off the skin off of his back? A lot of people think it was a Jewish crucifixion where he only had 39 lashes. That's not what it was. In Jewish tradition, 40 was death. So they would do 39 and then they would stop. This was a Roman crucifixion. This was a Roman lashing and flogging. There's no telling how many lashes he got. He was getting beaten so you couldn't even see him. You know why he did it, the Bible says? That by his stripes, you were healed. That's why he did it. But they don't believe it, and so many were sick, and a lot of them died. Because they didn't believe in the power of the bread, the power of his body. I want us all to stand. We're going to take communion together. The singers can come out too whenever you guys are ready. We have, a, we have like a, a, a couple of minutes left. We're going to take communion together. I'm going to invite up the ministry team. And then if you need prayer for healing, 
or whatever we've talked about, you can come up and get prayer from our ministry team while the, while the team sings. But I want you to just kind of hold up the, the wafer. And I want you to think about the significance of the wafer. The fact that Jesus went through that so that you wouldn't have to. He gave his back so you wouldn't have to be sick, so you wouldn't have to have diseases, so you wouldn't have to be in pain. So as we take this bread, I want you just to repeat after me. Just hold up and just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you gave me your body that was broken for me. I thank you and I honor you for going to the whipping post on my behalf, that by your stripes, I am healed. That by your stripes, my body is healed. My diseases are healed. My sicknesses are healed. My pains are healed. Father, I thank you for healing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the bread. Turn your palms towards heaven. If you got sickness in your body, if you got pain in your body. Jesus, thank you that you gave your back that we would be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to every body that is riddled in disease, sickness, or pain. And I declare healing falls on your life. In Jesus' name, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, every cell in your body healed, every system healed, every disease healed. In Jesus' name, devil, you are bound. Spirit of infirmity, get off people now. In Jesus' name, now, now, now. Just let healing flow right through, right through, right through, right through. Chemical imbalances healed. Blood imbalances healed. Spirit of pain, get off people. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hold up the juice is the blood the atonement for your sin and my sin just repeat after me say Jesus I thank you that you went to the cross that you shed your blood your perfect blood for my imperfections that I may be righteous in you I thank you for forgiving me I thank you for suffering on the cross to set me free right now in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. I command every curse that has been sent against me to fall and die in Jesus' name. I command every curse that has come through my family line to stop. I declare you can't touch me. I'm covered by the blood 
of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I thank you. The Bible says you made a public spectacle and you disarmed every principality and power when you were on that cross. In Jesus' name, right now, I come against condemnation and shame and guilt. And I declare that the Lamb of God has taken away my sins as far as the east is from the west. In Jesus' name, I give you praise and I give you honor. In Jesus' name, drink the juice. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to come forward when the ministry comes up and I want you to give your life to Jesus. That's the very first step. And then salvation and healing is your portion. Salvation and healing is your portion. Just lift your hands. I'm just going to pray for us. The team's going to sing a song. Ministry team's going to come up. Come up and get prayer. Come up and get ministry. Father, I thank you. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you for these awesome people. I thank you for the powerful formula of communion. I thank you that it's more than a ritual or a tradition, that it means something, that it's backed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the stripes on his back. That's powerful. So Jesus, we thank you that you taught us to remember you whenever we take communion, that you taught us that we can be healed, we can be set free, we can have salvation, we can prosper because of what you did on that whipping post and on that cross. So God, we honor you. And Holy Spirit, we give you permission to set us free in our minds, in our souls, in our bodies tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. God bless you. Why don't we clap for Jesus one last time? Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.